An interview with Lance Rorex today on the Ultimate Ground Rules. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules, a podcast built specifically to encourage, empower, and strengthen the faith of coaches as they live out their God-given purpose to develop the next generation of leaders. And now, your host, Dave Pritchard. Hello and welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules. I am your host, Dave Pritchard. Encouraging coaches is what this show is all about. And if you find yourself being encouraged as you listen... Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the show as that helps us reach other coaches. Today, you're in for a treat. I recently sat down with Lance Rorex, head baseball coach at Silverdale Academy in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Lance is a young, up-and-coming coach who goes about things the right way. He's serious about making an impact on his players and being a disciple maker. His energy is contagious, and I know you'll be blessed with what he shares. Make sure to grab a pen and paper because you're going to need them as the Ultimate Ground Rules presents Coach Lance Rorex. Coach, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me on, Dave. Yeah, man, I'm super excited. Uh, trying to get some younger voices on here, and I, I know you do a great job down there, so excited to have you on. But just to start us off, if you don't mind, just give us a little a background about yourself, kind of how you got into coaching, and just tell us a little bit about Silverdale. Um, well, I, I played at, uh, graduated 2008 from Lookout Valley. Um, and I played for Coach, probably be the first time I ever say his first name, but David Dinger. Um, and just I, I knew as a sophomore in high school that I wanted to be a coach. And going into college, um, my major was all geared towards what can I do to become a, a high school baseball coach. Um, so after I graduated at, at Lookout Valley, I went to Cleveland State for two years, um, played for Coach Polly there, had a, an amazing time, and then transferred to Carson Newman and played there for two years in 2011 and 2012. Um, had the opportunity uh, at Carson Newman. I, I changed my major in my junior year. Um, and, and then I, I squeezed four years of college into five years. So I was able to uh, coach at a local high school up there, Jefferson County High School. Um, and that's really the first time that I've ever been around high school age kids, being able to coach them. And man, it really opened opened my eyes and um, I worked underneath Josh Warner there and um, had a great time with it. And then from there, moved back to Chattanooga, um, got a job at Lookout Valley um, teaching middle school math and worked under Wes Caldwell for a year. Um, learned learned a ton from Wes and then was fortunate enough um, the next year to get the head job there. So I, I was at Lookout Valley for five years and then – um, God opened some doors, and um, he, he works in funny ways because I never thought that I would leave Lookout Valley because it's that was that was home. I knew everybody, and everybody knew me, and um, kind of opened some. God opened some doors, and here we are, two years later at Silverdale. In um, Silverdale, man, it is a special place. When your athletic director slash principal is um, an ex college baseball coach slash athletic director in college, Taylor Hasty. Man, it makes going to work every day um, pretty exciting and pretty fun. I mean, we've had conversations just walking down the hall. Um, I'll see him in his office, and he'll open the whiteboard, and we'll start drawing out plays. So um, I'm telling you, it's it's a dream job that I've got right now, and I absolutely love it. And um, whenever you get to go to work every day, 
I'm loving what you do, and uh, it, it makes life it makes life really really fun. So that's kind of where we're at right now. So I'm going to put you on the spot early, <laughs> and I'm curious because I think you have some good insight on this, and you can provide as much specifics as you want to. But so when you're in that situation at Lookout Valley, and you and you're presented with the opportunity at Silverdale, and you know you feel like God has answered some doors. I know a lot of guys you know, ask the question, like, how do I know? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? So, you know, in that specific situation, how did you come to the conclusion that, you know, this is this is the direction that God wants me to go in? Uh, that, that, that's a tough question. You are right. You're going to get me right off the bat. Um, it, it was hard leaving the kids, but then I think everything's based off relationships. When I started building a relationship with, with Coach Hasty mm-hmm. and then some of the other guys at Silverdale, it, it kind of just said, hey, this is where I want to be. And I kind of always wanted when we had, because at this time we didn't have a son at this point. So we always knew, we'd always talked about having our kid in Christian education. Right. Lo and behold, a year later, my wife is pregnant. And so, I mean, it, everything has just worked out. And, and every day God kind of shows himself like, hey, you're, you're exactly where we want you to be. Today, it's January the, well, it's January the 20th. And I was able to mow baseball and softball fields at, at noon. So God showing some sun and, uh, dry grass and dirt to work on it's just uh, it's amazing I, I sometimes i still think like man i'm the luckiest guy in the world to get to do what i get to do but going back to leaving the valley it just it, it was difficult but i mean sometimes difficult sometimes when things are hard that's that's god kind of working on you a little bit so right. i was up for the challenge so so how do you feel like your faith shapes you as a coach like how does it drive what you do i kind of have the like we played Heritage last year um, in a just a scrimmage game, um, and I think early in my career, early I've only coached seven years, but early on everything was like, oh, you've got to have two hits here. Why didn't you get this bunt down? And and now, now that I'm further into like further into this, I'm starting to realize more and more that hey, your identity is not in baseball. So we had a kid during that Heritage game, our starting catcher. Um, Jarrett Clift, who was an amazing individual, it was like 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Just uh, had a really bad night. And we had a conversation on the way home, um, and he was down in the dumps, and I get it. I said, Jerry, your, your identity, man, it's it's not baseball. Nobody's ever going to remember you going 0 for 4 against Heritage in a scrimmage game. Your identity is in Christ and, and, and your Savior and what you do for him. And I think that conversation that I had with Jarrett that night about his identity not being in baseball, but being in being in his Lord, that that shaped me more than I think any other impact that I've had or any other situation that I've had. That these guys are teenagers that are not going to play baseball forever. What's their identity in? And at Silverdale, we try to let them know and lead them that their identity is in Christ. Yeah, that's awesome because I, I I have felt that push probably in the last five or six years where, you know, from, I guess from a culture standpoint and, and social media obviously has ramped things up, but there is, that is such a trap for high school kids and probably college kids too, I'm sure in this day and age to, to get caught up in, you know, my performance determines who I am. And, and you're, you're, yeah, you're right on that. Like, because everything now is what can I tweet out? Can I tweet out an offer that I just got that, right. Um, maybe I just had a conversation, but I'm going to tweet it out that I've got interest from this this school, right? 
Um, and I fall into that too because, yeah, we want our kids to go on and we want them to succeed at whatever they do. Um, but th- that's not what everything's about. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes as a coach, we get so locked in on wins and losses, and these guys have got to be the best baseball players because it makes us look good as coaches. Um, but if that's all we're in this thing for, then we're kind of – we're missing the point of it, I feel like. Right. I totally agree. So just as you go about your job or, you know, your role as a coach, are there any, like, key scriptures that, that constantly motivate you? One verse that I've always thought about uh, just almost on a daily basis is, is Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, and everybody knows it and can probably quote it, but just as – Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Um, we, we, I try every day to be intentional, finding one guy on our team um, to have a, a conversation that's not about baseball, um, and and maybe throw some advice at him. Or, um, and then I've got coaches that that sharpen me every day. And I think I think that's huge is having guys around you in your boat um, that that you can sharpen a little bit, but man, but they can sharpen you because. You know just as well as I do, Pritch, that coaches, man, we get so zoned in on, uh, I guess, the, the daily process of everything that we forget that we, we've got a bunch of – we've got a group of kids and coaches that um, need us more than just baseball type stuff. So um, just trying to find a way to sharpen others. That verse that verse gets me every time. If I ever got a tattoo, I think that would be the one that I'd get. <laughs> I'm, I'm too big of a list to get a tattoo. I don't do needles. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll just keep it, I'll just keep it on a uh, on a note card in my pocket. That'll, that'll be good enough. <laughs> That's right. So you kind of you beat me to the punch there. On uh, I was going to ask you next about you know looking back. I guess going all the way back to a player, and then as your your journey as a coach. You know how important have mentors been to you, and who do you consider to be you know some of the key mentors in your life that that have poured into you, and just kind of speaking to guys that may be listening. How important do you think that that mentorship is? First off, I've got to go with um, Coach Dinger. Uh, for some reason, that guy, even to this day, we have conversations to this day, just baseball-related, not related, but he's poured into me so much, and it's made me a lot of the coach that I am. My dad is an unbelievable influence in my life. He wasn't um, – he coached me in Little League like all dads do, and, I mean, he played high school sports as well, and he never went on after that, but – um, his work ethic and how he serves other people, um, 100% is why the, I am the man that I am today. Just willing to do whatever he wants with what anybody wants. He's willing. He'll drop his on the drop of a hat. He'll take off and he'll help those guys out. Um, now I've got guys like Coach Hasty at Silverdale. Um, all of our coaches, to be honest, Mike Connor is a guy that I've been able to come to know. Um, our new football coach and. Um, his mentorship means more to me than I think he even knows right now. Um, guys like Greg Elliott Baylor has poured into me for some unknown reason. I don't know. But th- those guys have um, kind of guided me along as a young coach and helped me out. Um, Brian Paris at South Pittsburgh, who was at South Pittsburgh, he- he's a guy that has carried, kind of kept me under his wing. And, it- and all these guys are-, are guys I feel like have no reason to reach out to me and, and be that guy for me. But Baseball coaches are great people, man. They're they're willing to help, and those guys have done an exceptional job, kind of uh, shaping me to who I am. How crucial do you think it is for for young guys to reach out and, and find guys like that? You know, just to pour into them. Oh, it's huge! Hey, and I think everybody, every coach will say this, but like early on, we have the answers, right? right. Um, 
we we know everything. We we don't need help with anything. And I I think the older I get, the dumber I get. The more that I I want to reach out to people, and be like, hey, what are you doing? Why what can what can I steal from you and, and kind of instill into my guys? I feel like every time I go into a room with with baseball coaches, that I'm the dumbest guy there. That I just need to be quiet and take out a notepad and take notes. So having some people that you can get advice from, get all kinds of, I don't know, any type of advice you can get is, is massive because if you try to do it on your own, you, you're going to get slapped in the face, I feel like. So right. I think having the guys that will mentor you and um, is, is huge. So m- maybe looking back to when you were at Lookout Valley and, and obviously as you've, I don't know if matured is the right word, but as you've gotten more experience and, and now you're at Silverdale, do you feel like there's anything that, that you, you try to do that might be a little unique to really have an impact on your players? Like like just some ideas you could throw out there maybe that, that other guys might want to try? Um, I don't know if I do anything extraordinary. I, I think we're, I try to be really intentional with having conversations with everybody. I try to give everybody – I know we're in COVID times right now, but I try to give everybody a hug around the neck at some point through that today that they know, like, hey, coach cares about me. Like, I've always say, like, they don't care what you know, but they want to know that you care. And then once they know that you care about them, now they'll start having um, – start trusting you a little bit and doing things that you ask them to do. So I think just what we do as coaching staffs of being intentional with our conversations with the guys and, and getting the guys to start communicating with each other. Um, you, you know better well than anybody that I'll see guys in a group of 15 and 13 of them have their phones out. So we try to make sure that the guy, we can put our guys in situations that they're having conversations. Um, th- this fall we started something called Campus Cleanup Fridays, and we just put them into groups, um, gave them a trash bag and said, take off. Here's here's your spot of campus that I want you to go clean. That's cool. um, and we said, don't talk about baseball, don't talk about girls. Um, and don't talk about Silverdale. So find out something about your teammates that, that you don't know. And, man, they had a good time with it. They started competing about who could pick up the most trash. So just in, anything that we can do to get these guys in in, in an environment where they're talking, communicating, right. um, learning about each other, I, I think is um, – I, I know that's not, that's not like, oh, nobody does that. But I, I really do feel like we do a great job um, of getting our guys – communicating with each other well and you've got to believe that that has some kind of uh pay some kind of dividend on, on the field because i mean communication is a lost art you know they like you said they're staring at a screen and I, i'm i'm so old school that i'm still flabbergasted when i talk to my freshmen and it doesn't offend a high school female at all that she gets asked out on a date via text message <laughs> like to me that would God. be the, one of the most offensive things in the world and they, that's how they communicate. So they really don't exactly know how to right. communicate. Um, yeah, I try to uh, pick up on the the lingo. I don't even know if that's the word to use. The slang that these kids use. I'm I'm yeah. I'm only thirty years old, but man, I listen to bluegrass music and uh, classic country. So I'm I'm not in the times as much. But I, I try to pick up on their uh, <laughs> their terminology and throw that out there a little bit, just so maybe I can feel like I'm, I'm communicating with them um, <laughs> on their level. But, it uh, it, kids are weird, man. I love them to death, but they, they uh, it's a different time than I think what I grew up with, and I know it's different than what you grew up with. So, trying to figure out how to get in their brain a little bit and and relate to them on their level, I think is is, is really important. Right, I, I would agree. And tough to do. 
<laughs> yeah. So what do you think – this is always an interesting question. What do you think players need most from a coach? Like the players you see at Silverdale, what do they need most from a coach? I think that my guys at Silverdale, one, I, th- I think they need um, discipline, and it's not they're not bad kids at all. Like right. These are some of the best kids I've ever been around. Discipline every day that becomes a habit. You know, that's a good question. Um, at the end of the day, man, they need to know that we love them. And I know that sounds like, oh, this, but it is what it is. We got them for four years. Let them know that we love them. Let's coach them hard. Uh, if they don't think that we love them and we coach them hard, then we're just that uh, butthole of a coach, right? right? So trying to find a way to build those relationships so that they know that we love them, and now we can coach them hard. I, mean, I think that's what our kids at Silverdale need and want. So Right. Yeah, they, they may never tell you that, but, but it's what they're looking for. I think so. And too, I think you're trying I think you're trying to at least I feel like you're trying to spend four years proving that you care enough to earn the right to continue coaching them. Ooh, that's good. You know, like you were talking about with Dinger, like you still have conversations with Dinger, like you know, like he earned that right to pour into your life. And so, you know, like I had a kid text me the other night and said, hey, I need to have, you know, a spiritual conversation with you. I got some questions that I need answered. And, you know, how how you pour into that guy for four years and the things you do with him, or even maybe even more so the things you don't do, you know, they determine if you get that opportunity or not. That's awesome. And, and I think, too, based off what you just said, like you you've built that relationship with your kids and that trust and how easy it is to to demolish what you've built. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's one one word, one action that you do um, can completely break that trust of you and your kids. And man, that that fires me up right there. That's awesome, Coach. Well, the one thing that I've I've, I've learned <laughs> unintentionally <laughs> over the years is that m- my players tend to remember things that I don't. The things that you think are inconsequential are the things that that most often they really remember. And so what it's kind of made me think about or dwell on is how intentional you have to be with everything you say. And I I fail in that every day. I mean, we all do because we say stuff off the cuff and we're not thinking about it. But but the things that, at least in my experience, the things that players tend to come back and talk about, you're like, I don't even remember that, but that was like a really big deal to you, you know? That's 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 awesome, and I mean, I'm sitting here thinking now of my first couple of years at the Valley and how much stuff I I'm ashamed that I did and I regret it, and I wish I could go back and um, redo all that over because it. Thinking back on it, man, that that killed a relationship probably, and it kind of hope. I mean, man, I'm I'm ready to go to um, our bullpen sessions tomorrow and be intentional with what I say to those guys tomorrow because. Right. My goodness, man, you're exactly right. Um, words, like things that we don't know that they remember, that, that's awesome stuff. And intentionality is huge. That's great. Is intentionality a word? Did I just make that up? It is, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> that's the valley coming out of me. <laughs> so if you've got a kid for four years, you know, you see him as a freshman or you may, I mean, at Silverdale, 
I know different schools are set up different ways, but you may start to build that relationship even earlier. But if you've got a kid as a freshman and he progresses through your program for four years, I like to ask this question. If you're sitting there at the end of May, his senior year, and you're watching him walk across the stage, get his diploma, in the back of your mind, what are you thinking, man, I really hope he got this? We talk about our motto is is them. So we want our kids to be tough in all that they do. We want them to be honest. Honesty is huge. Um, we want them to be able to encourage others. We don't know how to encourage because it's a me society, right? Um, right. And then we want them to be mature. We want them to be mature um, mature sons. We want them to be mature boyfriends. or And then one day become mature husbands, fathers. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, we want to blanket that with doing all of that while we're serving someone else. Um, I think the biggest thing that we can do for our kids is when they leave Silverdale, they want to be servant leaders. Um, and it's something that they wake up and don't even know that they do. They just serve others. They bend over and they pick up trash that somebody dropped and nobody sees them do it. They, um, they, they find ways to make somebody else's life better. Um, and it, and it's second nature to them. So I think that that's one thing I want our guys at Silverdale to know is, Hey, be tough, be honest, be encouraging, be mature. But at the end of the day, find a way to serve others. To the point that it becomes second nature. You got that right. Yeah. And that's hard to do. And it's we talk, sometimes we have to fake it. But even if you're faking it, you're still building those. Uh, you're still building those habits. You're building those. So here's an interesting one for you. And you that's can wrong. you can you can go as deep as you want, or you can be as vague as you want. But <laughs> one thing that I have noticed, and and you're a young guy, so maybe you have noticed this as well. If I had to guess, if somebody asked me, the average tenure of a high school baseball coach is probably less than five years. And I see, I see a lot of turnover and, you know, in my opinion, high turnover is never good. It's not good for the community. It's not good for the school. It's not good for the players. And so I think, I think a lot of young coaches go through a lot of struggles and don't know how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And so is there, is there an example, you know, on your journey of, of maybe something that you really struggle with, and a, a tough spot that you found yourself in as a coach and, and maybe how you dealt with it or what you learned from it. And, you know, just what would you tell young guys that, that experience that difficulty and want to want to get out, you know, how would you encourage them to want to stay in? So, um, at Lehigh Valley, the first year I got there and the second year, we, we went 17 and 17, not great. Um, but we, we were building <laughs> and then pretty the third year, um, we lost 16 games in a row. So, yeah. I, I think my wife was ready to divorce me. I, I remember, I remember sitting in, in um, the garage at her old house, and I called Coach Griff at Carson Newman. I was like, Coach, man, I, I'm about done. Like, I don't know what to do with these guys. I, um, I, I may have said they're not buying in or all this, you know, dumb stuff. I'm putting the blame on other people. Um, when in reality, I think that that's the moment that I realized, like, the wins and losses are. Winning ball games is great, but my goodness, if, if that's all that I'm sitting here worried about is winning and losing, um, and that 16 game skid rolls around, like I was, I was a miserable human being to be around. Hmm. Um, so I had to find a way right there. It's like, well, if we go through these skids and they're going to come, they're going to happen. Man, am I really basing my is my my self uh, worth 
all off, off the scoreboard. And um, I think I've kind of learned as I've gotten a little older, and I'm still not mature. I'm just um, I'm still a young guy in my eyes. Is who cares about the scoreboard? Like let's let's worry about the process. Are our guys being what we just talked about? Are they being tough? Are they being honest? Are they being encouraging? Are they being mature? Um, because that stuff's going to stick with them. Um, the wins and losses are going to come. We got to come to practice and, and, and get it every single day. Um, but man, it's so much more than just what does that scoreboard say? And that scoreboard has n- nothing on who I am as a person. Um, right. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've had to learn because um, I always wanted to be the guy that comes in and you see everybody coach so and so with his 200 twin and right. and that stuff. Uh, you want to be that guy. It's a tough lesson to learn. <laughs> you, yeah, 16 straight losses slaps you in the face, and it's hard to get up from it. But um, yeah. that that year, and credit to those guys, they kept bringing it every day. And, um, you know, yeah. we we started winning some ball games, won a couple ball games in the tournament. And um, so those guys, and I'm sure as, as a player, they hated coming to practice every day because I'm going to be the um, the coach that's – probably anxious as everything and not fun to be around. So I, I've, I've learned to kind of lighten it up a little bit and I don't have to be that hard coach that yells all the time. And um, kids don't, kids don't react to that stuff these days. Anyways, I'm still going to get on their butt a little bit, but um, we got to do it a little different these days. So I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is that, that scoreboard. That's not my worth. Uh, just a couple more questions for you here, but as a coach, what, what would you, how would you define your ultimate goal? Like what are you really out to accomplish? Um, I heard this from somebody. I don't know who I heard it from, Pritch, but I want to make – I want our guys to be winners. And, yes, that's winning, um, winning baseball games and all that stuff. But, man, I want them to be winners um, in the classroom. I want them to be winners when they graduate, be a winning husband, be a winning father, uh, have a winning relationship with Christ. That's huge because I think um, so much – and I, I felt daily with my my walk with my walk with God. So if we can teach them to be winners, it's e- it's so easy to, to be a loser. You don't have to bring it every day. Um, winning is tough. Winning, being a, a winning husband. I, I you can ask my wife. She's upstairs right now. I fell at it every single day. But finding ways people to pour into you and just building winning habits, I think, is huge. Not only on baseball, but everything. And you got to do that day by day. Um, yes. Wake up every day with with that mentality of, and uh, and you're still going to fail. It's tough, <laughs> but yeah. every day you come back to that word intentionality. Like I, you know, I tell our players that you you, you don't just being a good player doesn't fall in your lap. Uh, being a good husband doesn't fall in your exactly lap. Right. Being a good employee doesn't just fall mm-hmm. in your lap. Like you have to make it happen. Exactly, you've got to be different. They, you know, that's what's one thing interesting. You, you mentioned about kids. You know, one thing interesting is about kids. It can be frustrating as a coach is, you know, you, you look at the way they dress and in a lot of different aspects of their life, they want, it's like they want to be different, but when it really matters, they, they, they're afraid to be different. That That's true. We talk and I know it's, I know it's dumb, but like we, we ask our guys every day that, Hey, your shirt's tucked in when you leave the locker room. When you go to the field, you're on a uh, you're on. We call it a jog, but they've taken it over and they sprint to the field. Um, and we had four guys yesterday, and um, four guys yesterday on well, Monday on MLK Day, go and hit on their own. And I pulled up the security cameras 
And here they go. They're on the field. Shirt's tucked in. Nobody's around them. But they're doing those little things that I don't think they realize it, but those little habits that they're creating when nobody's around, man, is going to play huge dividends for us. Absolutely. And I I called those guys out at practice. I said, man, I'm going to point you guys out because little things make big things. And we're going to celebrate little things. Um, and, and they buy into that. So if, if we see a guy pick up a piece of trash, we're going to celebrate that. Just so they know, hey, coach ain't all about hitting doubles and, and, and winning ball games, but he celebrates little things. And I, I think that's that's really, really um, important for all coaches to do right. is uh, get your mind off big things and start looking at little things and, and celebrating those and watch what happens with your guys. Mm. It, it's fun to watch. That's, one thing I like to do is just – as, as we wrap up here, just let you have the floor. And is there anything you'd like to tell maybe other young coaches that are listening, just tips, advice, anything that you'd like to offer? One of our key words at Silverdale, we talk all the time about discipleship. Um, kind of our pillars of our academy is discipleship, excellence, and integrity. So I think trying to find ways to disciple is, is massive. Um, and that's tough to do. I, I struggle with it all the time, but um, – I think one thing that's really helped me out and it might help others out is don't try to disciple your entire team, but try to pick one or two guys out a day that you can disciple. Right. And then once those guys buy into what you're trying to teach, they're going to start discipling others. Yeah. And eventually your job as a coach is, is really, really simple um, right. because you've got other guys. you got we got 28 players. we got 28 guys that are um, not only coaches with me, but they're discipling other guys as well. Right. Look in Acts. I don't, I don't know if you – have ever heard this or not, but you know, if you look in the book of Acts, as as the disciples are going out, you know, it talks about you you read in there several times early in early chapters of Acts where, you know, and and X amount were added to their number. And this handful was added to their number. And then before long, it talks about their the number increasing. So the, the concept there is exactly what you're talking about. It goes from simple addition to multiplication. You know, oh, yeah. and then you got exponential growth. You know, it's and and then you bring up a good point because as a coach, it's going to be impossible for us to reach even every player on your roster the way that we would really like to. But if you can really sure. impact, especially if you can grab those guys that have those intrinsic leadership qualities, the the guys mm-hmm. that the guys that people want to follow, if you can grab a couple of those guys. And then this goes for your team, this goes for church, this goes for workplace, whatever. But if you can grab those guys that, that have leadership qualities, man, it'd take off like a wildfire. That's that's awesome. We had a guy, and I'm, um, we, we've got a sophomore catcher who is probably one of the most special athletes I've ever been around on the baseball field um, in, my, in my coaching career. And he had a day last week, wasn't a good day. And we didn't have a good day as a group. And I talked to him after practice, and it may have got under his skin a little bit, but he's got so much influence. Um, and after our conversation, Rich, he, our last three days together have been unbelievable. And I give a lot of credit to, to this kid because he's he's been unbelievable. So I think discipling that one person, go find your, your one guy on your team with the most influence, right. disciple him. Get him going where you the direction that you want your team to go, and those other kids are going to follow. And he he's he's bought into it. And man, I'm I'm telling you, it's it's made a change. Um, and I know it's only been three days, um, but three days to a kid's a long time. <laughs> right. But it, it it has completely changed 
our, our practices have been more energetic. And it's not all on this kid, but I do think him, the conversation that we had, and now the direction he's going, my goodness, it, it, it's been fun to watch the past couple of days. And I think he sees it. I think he's having more fun with it because of he, he's kind of saw what he, he, he's able to do. Um, and we've got several guys like that. That's just that's one example that has come to mind. But uh, find that one guy that, that has influence and, and pour into him and then watch it trickle. That's awesome, Coach. Well, I want to thank you for your time, and I think that's a, that's a high point to end on. But I uh, appreciate you coming on the show, and I think you guys can learn a lot from it and just appreciate all you do and want to wish you the best of luck there at Silverdale. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate you, man. There's, there's hundreds of other people that you could have had on here tonight, and uh, I'm humbled that you asked me. So if I can ever do anything, you know where I'm at, okay? Thanks again for joining us on the show today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many coaches as possible with a word of encouragement. Never forget your job is important. God loves you, and he has a plan for you. Continue to build tomorrow's leaders and stand firm in the faith.